0: Daniel, we've been in a series here looking at training days and how we are getting ready for the days that God is training for us. There's a story of uh, there were two gas guys that were out checking the meters on some people's homes. And there was an older guy who'd been with the company for a while and a younger guy who was being trained. And so they uh, parked the gas truck back at one end of the street and they just began to check all the homes the gas meters as they were walking on up the street, when they got to the last person's house, they checked the meter, and the old guy, was just feeling a little little uh, fun. And so he said to the young guy he says, "Hey, you want to race back to the truck?" And so the guy says, "Sure." So off they went. They just bolted and they raced on back to the truck. And uh, as they got to the truck, they turned around, and they saw that the lady at the last house they were at was running right behind them. And so she was huffing and puffing and huffing and puffing, and they said, "Oh, oh why are you running?" After us, he says, well, when two gas guys come and look at your house, and then they take off running, you get out of the house. <laughs> you know, sometimes big days come upon us very suddenly. We're not always sure when that's going to be, but we're, if we can sometimes see the sign. We're going to look at a story here today. That I think these guys saw the sign that it was a big day, that it was going to be one of those days that uh, would either go down in infamy or uh, would wipe them out. And over the last couple of weeks, we looked first off at Joseph. We saw Joseph had a couple of days. The whole premise of this is that most of the people that we look at in the Word of God that we hold in high revere, men of faith, women of faith, people of great uh, reputation, great work for God, were really only known for one, two, three, four, sometimes five days in their life. They lived 80, 100, 120 years, and we know, what, we know them because of what they did sometimes on one single day. Sometimes it was two. We looked first at Joseph and we saw the things that had gone on. Joseph had a dream. And there were some things that went on in his life after that dream came that weren't so good. You know, he got sold into slavery and then uh, was accused of a crime he didn't commit and, and was put in prison. As he was spending time in prison, he was still doing what he was trained up to do. Joseph was called to manage. He was called to rule. And God was going to use those things. But along the way, he also interpreted dreams, but he was never called to interpret dreams. No one saw that as a calling for him to to do. It's just something that he, he had done. But in the dream that he received from God, his brothers first came down and bowed down to him. And then the second dream, his mother, his father, and his brothers came and bowed down to him. First 11 and then the 11 plus the stars and the moon. And it's the only dream that I can think of of significance in the Bible that's not interpreted. All his other dreams, even the dream of the uh, uh, baker and the guys in prison, were really were meaningless as far as future implications. They were interpreted, but not that one, because his life told us what it meant. And though he didn't realize it at first, and we spent a lot of time on, on what that dream was, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time here, but he didn't realize it at first. That dream was not about the people that would come and bow down to Joseph. That dream was about how Joseph would respond when his brothers came to him and bowed down. It was all about his response. And we saw that there were three choices he had. First off, he had a choice of revenge. He could take revenge on his brothers. That's not what God wanted him to do. He could reinstate his brothers and just forgive them. That's not what God wanted him to do. God gave him this dream 17 years before he would become a ruler. And it would still be another seven years before, or even more than that, before he would see his brothers. All those years to prepare him. Because Joseph, when the day comes and those 11 boys come and they bow down to you, your response to them is important. And I want you to prepare for it. So all the time he was in slavery, he's thinking about those brothers of mine who sold me into slavery. Could you be doing this? Those brothers of mine who sold me into slavery. Mm. When they come and they bow down. Because he's got two choices. Either he believes the dream, and when they come and they bow down, boy, I'm going to get them. Or he could say the dream wasn't from God, and he could let all that go. But he didn't. He held on to it, and he kept doing what God told him to do. And he kept getting himself ready. He kept managing. He managed his father's properties, and they grew. He managed Potiphar's properties, and they, uh, they grew. He managed the prison and everything put under his care was impeccable. So much so that when Pharaoh, he stands before Pharaoh, Pharaoh has no trouble in one day putting the entire kingdom under this man. And it wasn't just because of the dream. It's because Potiphar testified of him. The prison, the keeper of Pharaoh's prison, the keeper of it said, everything I've ever put in this man's hands has prospered. He had a lot of testimony. It did that because for 17 years and even before, He kept doing what God called him to do. We want our lives to have significance. We want our lives to have meaning. And we're looking at the wrong thing. We're trying to make our entire life have meaning. When God says in this word over and over, and there's still so many examples we look at, you're being prepared for one, two, three, maybe four days. And those days will be of great significance if you're ready. If you're ready, you may seem like what you're doing in life is ho-hum, mundane. It's the same thing over and over. And yet Joseph did the same thing over and over and over. Daniel did the same thing over and over and over. And what it did was it got him ready. If you're a basketball player, one of the things that they do is they stand on the foul line and they shoot foul shots over and over and over, and over, and over, and over. Because when they're in the game, those are the ones that count. Those are the shots that matter. So they practice, and they practice, and it's mundane, and it's routine, and it seems like ordinary stuff. But if they don't do it, they aren't ready. Whatever God has you doing is getting you ready so that when you are on that day that God says, I need you to step up, this, I, this is the day that I need you. You're ready. So many people in the Word of God had a day. We know Gideon, whose life was basically meaningless, except for one day. One day that was a man of faith and power. It wasn't before. It wasn't much afterwards. But one day he was a man of faith and power and wound up in the book of Hebrews in the Faith Hall of Fame, as we call it, because of one day day. We looked last week and we saw that a dream that came to the king, uh, uh, the king Nebuchadnezzar, uh, he knew this was an important dream. And he told the wise men, you all have to interpret this dream, but you have to give me the dream as well as interpret it. They didn't want to do it. You know the story. we went over it before. So they start winding up killing wise men. And Daniel says, hey, hold on a minute. He answers the uh, Arioch with counsel and wisdom, the Word of God says. And he says, uh, why is the king's request so urgent? So he told him about the, that. He says, look, just give me a day. I'll have the dream and I'll have the interpretation. We'll have it all for him. That was a day that God needed Daniel to be ready. Now, Daniel was called to interpret dreams as well as manage. He was called to it. And God used that calling for him. And Daniel got himself ready. He was prepared. He was ready for that day. If Daniel was not ready for his day, that day would have proved fatal. What I thought was amazing about it was that the dream came from God. The interpretation was going to come from God. And yet, it could have killed him. Nothing of, that, nothing of that day came from Satan. Nothing came from the enemy. And yet, it could have killed him if he wasn't ready. Sometimes our day that God's preparing us for can be fatal if we don't handle it right. And there are some people in the Word of God who didn't handle it right. And they died. We'll give me, we may still get into some of those before we get going. But remember, there are three things we need to do to get us ready. We need to hear, or we need to, we need to learn. Learn, practice, and train. Remember we talked about that? Learn, practice, and train. You learn by hearing the Word, reading the Word, and studying the Word. That's how you learn. You take, you take the Word of God in. You hear the Word, you read the Word, you study the Word. Don't just study the Word, not read the Word. Don't just read the Word, not study the Word. Don't just hear the Word and not read the Word. Do all of them. That's why we have a reading program here at church. Make sure you're doing that. It's just a chapter a day. But read the Word. Study the Word. Hear the Word. How do we practice? Well, do what you learn. Whatever the Word tells us to do, do it. Share what you learn. By you sharing with other people what you learned, you're sharpening yourself. And how do we train? We meditate on the Word. We take the Word of God that we've taken in, that we've learned, and we meditate on it. We go over it. We go over it. We go over it. We go over it. It's like sit-ups. It's like push-ups. Meditation of the Word. You pray the Word. Don't pray unbelief. Don't pray doubt. Pray the Word. And talk the Word. We also mentioned to you that we weaken ourselves by thoughts of worry, prayers that beg. How many times do Christians get into prayers that beg? Oh, God, please do this for me. No, that'll weaken you. That'll that'll get you weaker. It's like eating fast food. Makes you weaker. Yeah, Junk food, that kind of stuff. Um, Cheese curls and all those delicious things, but they don't help you. Chocolate cake and things, you know, a little bit of that's all, all fine, but if you make too much of it, it's going to make you weaker. It doesn't help you. Thoughts of worry. The Word of God says, worry about how many things? Nothing. None. Nothing at all. Uh, talking fear and doubt. When you go around talking fear, well, I don't know, the doctor said it, this might happen. Don't talk fear and doubt. That's going to weaken you. Don't do the things that are going to weaken you. Do the things that are going to strengthen you. Get yourself ready. We made this mention to you too. More time is spent preparing than is spent doing what you were prepared to do. Most people in the Word of God spend more time preparing to do what God calls them to do than actually doing it. Don't be uh, caught off guard because you've been preparing for so long. (coughs) All right. Well, all those things are what we had talked about before gotten into before. We can't go through the book of Daniel and look at training days without getting into Daniel chapter 3. So we skipped over it last time. Let's save it for this one. And, of course, we all know this chapter real, real well is one of those ones that you learn when you're a kid. Verse 1, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits, and it's width 6 cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Now, Daniel, last week we saw Daniel interpreted the dream for him and said there was an image of gold, and king, you are the head. Well, this image of gold got in his head. And the very next chapter, he is making an image of gold. Now, he's making this probably out somewhere where Daniel doesn't see it, and these guys don't see it because he knows he'll get some flack from them. <clears throat> but he makes his image of gold. And then when he's ready to announce it, <clears throat> now, if you look at Dakes, Dakes tells us it's about 125 feet tall. 125 feet tall. <clears throat> I don't know cubits. I don't try and decipher cubits. But that's what uh, he interprets it out to be. Uh, 12 and a half feet, I think it was, in width, and 125 feet tall. That just seems, wow. That is tall. Not as tall as a football field. Think of a football field, think about one third of that. A little bit more, but uh, in, that, in that neck of the woods. And it's gold. Don't know if it's solid gold or if he put something else underneath of it, <coughs> but it's gold. And the King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered together for the dedication of the image of King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Are you getting the idea? Nebuchadnezzar set this thing up. Then a herald cried aloud, "To you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery in the symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that the king Nebuchadnezzar set up." You're going to see a lot of repetition here. We keep saying the same thing. We're trying to get a, a point across, I guess, but we want to let you know first off who's all there, who set it up, and what music is playing, because <laughs> we're going to go over it a number of times. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. So at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, harps, lyre, in symphony with all kinds of music, all the people, nations, and languages fell down and worshiped the gold image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Now, the chapter before, these guys are on Daniel's team. Daniel is the the lead guy, but they're on the team. Daniel pulls them all together and says, hey, you guys got to help me out. We got to get this dream. We got to get the interpretation So come on along, let's let's go. And so uh, he brings them along. And so when he gets promoted, because he had the interpretation of the dream and the dream, these guys go with him and they get promoted. And they're going along and they're doing things in the kingdom. They're high up. They got moved up. I mean, things are good. They got a nice position. And, you know, just going around day by day by day. And then all of a sudden you wake up and things don't seem to be so good. There's this big image and you got to bow down to it. And we can't do that. I mean, we wouldn't eat food sacrificed to idols. We can't do this. Now, Daniel's not in this story. More than likely, Daniel is traveling. Nebuchadnezzar has probably done this at a time when Daniel is away. I would think more than likely because he knows what Daniel would do. And he doesn't want that. He wants to get this entrenched, maybe first, before Daniel is around. And maybe the three guys are a little bit more of a pushover. We don't know if he's even thinking about them. But at any rate... Daniel is not here. Don't think that Daniel is in the crowd bowing down. Daniel is not in the crowd bowing down. I guarantee you that. You get to heaven, Daniel will tell you. I was not in the crowd bowing down. I was over in whatever province, whatever place he was at. He's out somewhere <clears throat> doing whatever it is that he needed to do. He wasn't there. But Daniel's writing about it because he's probably you know you guys did all right. He you, you stepped up there. And they did. They surely did. They did a a fine job. Well, then the, all the music is playing, everybody's bowing down, and everybody goes home. But apparently, these guys didn't bow down, and some people saw it, but the king didn't see it. So there must have been a lot of people on this plane, and somehow, three guys, not bowing down, were missed, because they didn't bow down, because the people that were around them saw it, but there was missed, and these guys are, are there, so they, they, uh, they didn't bow down, they stood there, and, well, I guess we can go home now, so they went on home. But uh, news comes to the king, <clears throat> and he tells him. Now, I put this in your outline for you. If you do not stand, up or stand for something, you will end up bowing for everything. If you do not stand for something, you will end up bowing to everything. You've got to make a stand for some things. And the question is always going to be, is this worth making a stand for? If it involves God then just know, God said in his word, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before the Father. Is it worth it? Absolutely. Just always remember, I would rather that he stand up for me, so I'm going to stand up now. If it's ever a question about God, about the things of God, about bowing down to something else, always stand for God. Now, these other folks that are bowing down, we got a whole bunch that came from all languages. They came from all their countries. Do you think they had some gods that they were worshiping? Probably. They brought, they, they, I mean, not, not the God. They had other gods, idols, and things like that that they were worshiping, but they gave it up. Bow down to this. You know, just go ahead and bow down to this, and that's what they did. Verse 8: Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. They spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the gold image. <clears throat> and whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have said over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Sh- Sh- Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, Have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. So they bring the accusation. Are they right? Did they not bow? They didn't bow. So they're right in the accusation. But here's what they they do. They have not paid due regard to you. Have they not paid due regard to the king? Well, they didn't do what the king said, did they? (coughs) But what the king said was not right. And he shouldn't have been doing it. See, they knew God gave him a dream. In that dream was a golden image. And that golden image told him what was coming. And it was important. That image said, King, you are the head. You are the gold head. <coughs> Excuse me. They knew he was not to make an image of gold and bow down. And he even declared in the previous chapter, You, your are God you serve, he's God. I mean, any God who can deliver the dream, and the interpretation, that's God. That's God. And in the next chapter, he's making his own God. Just because he's king doesn't mean everything he does is right. Just because we have leaders doesn't mean everything they do is right. You've got to take it to the Word of God. you got to look it up. Is this something that a king should be asking for? Is this something that a king should do? And they determine, king... We're here to serve you, help you out in the kingdom. We're already working for you, doing some things in the kingdom. But you're not allowed to tell us who to worship. That's not something you can do. So they didn't do it. See, we're stepping into a time even in this country where governments, mayors, (coughs) governors, congressmen, presidents are trying to tell churches what they can teach, trying to tell people what they can believe, are giving all kinds of reverence, False religion and disregarding the things of God. And when we stand up to that, you just know you're going to get some people upset. But it's good to stand for God, isn't it? Let's go on. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego so they brought these men before the king. Rage and fury. It is never good when someone speaks out of rage and fury. It doesn't matter if they are a king or who they are. It doesn't matter if you're a mom, a dad, a boss. Whoever you are, you speak out of rage and fury. Whatever's coming out of your mouth is probably not going to be very good. You need to be careful with it. But with rage and fury, he answered. And he called for these guys. He commanded, bring these guys over to me. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Is this true? So he's asking them, at least this is good. I mean, of all the things he does, Nebuchadnezzar does some good things, he does some bad things, but at least on this one he gets something right. He says, all right, you've been accused of this, but is this a good idea? Or is is this the thing that you did? I think that's a wonderful thing that you do. I mean, at least come to him and say, hey, did you actually do this? Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the, what? The horn, flute, harp, lyre, psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, you shall, I would just say, you know, when you hear the stuff playing. (laughs) After a while, you just got to abbreviate this thing, but they're not. And you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. What kind of a furnace is it? Yeah, we're getting that part drilled home too. It's not just a furnace. It's a burning, fiery furnace. What other kind are there? I I don't know. What other kind of furnace is... I don't know. But this is a burning, fiery furnace. And we want to make sure there's a burning... It's not just a burning furnace. Well, thank you. (laughs) Appreciate that. It's not just a burning furnace. It's not just a fiery furnace. It is a burning... Fiery furnace. It's nasty. It is nasty. It, you kind of got the idea. Anybody see Home Alone? You got that uh, little uh, little furnace that's in the basement there. I think the the burning fiery furnace to them is kind of like what the heater was to the, to the little boy. You know, it had the uh, <clears throat> it had the mouth, and it was growling, and all that sort of stuff that it was doing. But anyway. You're going to be thrown into a burning, fiery furnace. And here's, here's the thing, that if these guys are in doubt, this sets them free. Who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? I'll tell you what, folks, if you ever have an enemy, if you have somebody who wants to do you harm, just goat them into a place where they taunt God. That's all you got to do. Get them to a place where they taunt God. And uh, you know what happens then? God says, stand back for a minute here. (laughs) Just get out of my way. I'm going to take care of this thing right here. See, that's what David did when he faced Goliath. Goliath faced the the army of Israel, and he he mocked God. David saw when you mock God, man, you're dead. I'm just going to go over there and, and, and collect the spoils, but you're dead. It's done. And who is the God who would deliver you from my hands? The same one who gave you the dream and the interpretation in the chapter before. That's the one. So he says these things. Is it true? First of all, he's going to check this thing out. But I tell you what, if you're ready, if you're ready right now, we'll we'll just let this whole thing go. Uh, But if you do not, this is what I'm going to do. So... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. We can just sit here and not say a thing. We don't need to answer you at all. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the image, gold image, which you have set up. Now, sometimes we have read this and been taught this, that what this is saying is, our God is able to deliver us. But if he doesn't deliver us, we're still not bowing down. That is not what they said. They don't say that at all. What he says is this. If this is the case, what? If you, The only thing in question was, we're going to play the music. If we play the music and you bow down, that's what's in question. Will you play the music? So they're saying, look, if you play the music... Uh, we're not bowing. That's not in question. We understand the fiery furnace is there. That's not the question. The question is whether you play the music. If you play the music and we don't bow down, that's fine. We're not bowing down. But if you play the music, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand. Does it sound like they wonder whether they're going to be delivered? But if not, if not what? Not if God doesn't deliver us, but if you don't play the music, Let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. He's saying this I don't care if you play the music again or not, because that's the only thing that's in question here. He says, Look, I'm going to play the music again. If I play the music again, and if you bow down, great. But if not, he says, I don't care if you play the music again or not. We don't need another chance to make the decision. We've made the decision. We're not bowing down to your image. You can play it as many times as you want to, we aren't bowing. That's what they're saying. There's never a question in their mind that they will be delivered, especially after the words of the king. The king called out God. You think God's not going to show up if somebody calls out his name? (laughs) God says, I can't wait for this one. (laughs) See, this is a training day. They've been trained up for this sort of stuff. They've been trained not to give in to pressure. And the pressure comes, we're not giving in. And God says, I need you to do this. I need you to do this. I, I knew this gold image was coming. I knew it was coming. I needed somebody to stand up. We need to take it down. But we're going to take it down this way. We're not going to take it down with protest. We're not going to chain our bodies to the golden image. We're not going to have long marches. He says, no, we're not doing it that way. This is what we're going to do. We, I want some people to not bow down to the image because it's not right that a king tells you who to worship. I want them to bow, I want you not to bow down to the image and I am going to step in. And they knew this. And especially when they heard that come out of his mouth. Even before that, they still didn't bow. But they heard that come out of his mouth. They know. <laughs> and this guy is history. I'm not going to be good. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury. He was angry and enraged and all that sort of stuff. Now he got even madder. You'll find one thing about Nebuchadnezzar through the book of Daniel is he's a very emotional king. And the expression on his face changed. You ever seen somebody get so mad that their expression changed? That's what is going on with him. Now, here's what doesn't make any sense. His face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. All right, if you get this mad, aren't you in a hurry to get this thing done? If you're in a hurry to get this thing done, don't you just do it? Have you ever uh, gone into your house, you know, you're hungry, and you got a frozen pizza? And so you, you pull out the oven, get the oven out there, pull out the frozen pizza, and you heat the oven to something like 375, and then, you know, you, you go about doing stuff, waiting for the oven to heat up. And the oven heats up, and then you decide, oh, I'm going to read the directions. And the directions on this particular brand of pizza says, heat the oven to 450. That's what you got to do. You've got to heat it hotter, but now you've got to wait because it's not ready yet. That's just for a few degrees. What if you heat it up seven times more? How much longer does it take? You've got to bring all the stuff in. I guess it's wood that they put in or coal or some kind of thing like that. You've got to bring all that stuff in. You've got to throw it in there. You've got to wait for it to catch on fire and heat the thing up. And it, well, it's five times hotter. No, I went at seven. Keep going. And so, you know, you may be waiting another hour or two. That's a long time to stay mad. This furious man. That's a long time to maintain that. That's, that takes some work. He would have been a whole lot. I mean, the, the way the fiery furnace was, don't you get the impression that the burning, fiery furnace could kill people? Mm-hmm. Just the way it was? Are you going to be more dead if it's hotter? <laughs> so in his anger, he makes this statement that now it's going to take us longer. He did it up seven times more. And he commanded certain men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. I don't know why he thinks he has to have his strongest guys. I don't ever get the impression that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are super strong people. They're they're not in the army; they're in with the nerds, <laughs> aren't they? They're in with the smart people, the people that sit around, learn stuff, do stuff. You know, they're not the people who actually pull things off. They're in there in their management and stuff like. That. They're not the bulky, strong type. What do you need a super strong guy for? You don't. But he goes and gets the super strong guys and he brings them on over there to to bind them up. And they cast them in. Now, I I don't know about you, but I put this in your outline for you too. Have you ever had it when you answer a matter in faith and the situation seems to grow worse? (laughs) Have you ever had it? You know, you're you're standing in faith and the situation comes up and you speak faith to it. You stand up and say... Devil, you're not coming near here. You're not doing this. You stand up to the devil. You stand up to the enemy. You stand up to whatever it is that's coming against you, and you speak faith to it, and it gets worse. That's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are facing here right now. They just faced the situation. They spoke faith to it, and it got worse. You're not just going into the burning, fiery furnace. You're going into a seven times hotter burning, fiery furnace with strong men to take you in there. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, their other garments, and cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Eventually, you think he just said the furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent. There we go. And the furnace exceedingly hot. There we go. One time it's not. The flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It was so hot that the people who were not in it, what were above it, burned up. Now, you, you've got a candle at home. You ever put your hand above the candle? What happens? Ow! It's hot. Because heat rises. It goes straight up. Now, imagine that candle, a burning, fiery furnace. that has been made seven times hotter. And you are standing above it to cast people into it. It's so hot. It wasn't, it wasn't built for these kind of specs. It's so hot. That the people above it, who usually could throw people into the burning, burning, fiery furnace, standing there, could not stand there and live. They died. But they threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, <clears throat> fell down, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste, and spoke, saying to his counselors. Do we not cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? They answered the king, true, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men, loose, walking in the midst of the fire. And they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. And Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning, fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire. The satraps, administrators, governors, the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw these men on the, whose bodies the fire had no power. That's an interesting way to phrase it, isn't it? The fire had no power. Now, if you are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you are bound up, <clears throat> you are cast into the burning fiery furnace, and your, your bonds burn up, but everything else is okay. Are you walking around in the fire? How many of you want to get out? <laughs> Anybody else? You, you want, I want to get out. We're in the fiery furnace, but I would like to get out. They're just walking around. You know, they got the fourth guy in there. They're talking with him some. Having a good time. Apparently he has no power on him. Can you imagine being in the fire that had no power over you? The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. That's astounding. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own. Never be afraid to yield your body to do what God says to do. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made an ash heap, because there is no other God who can deliver like this. Now, he didn't command everybody to worship God, which was good. That would not be a... God doesn't want people to worship because they're commanded to. He just says, you can't say anything against this God. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So they were already promoted before because of the other... Event. Now they're promoted again because they were ready on this day that they were called upon to stand up for God. They were, they were ready. This was not a training day that was something along the call of their, their purpose for God. This is something that the enemy came to try and destroy. But they were ready for it. <clears throat> now, I put in your outline this. Most times, training days are not announced most times we're seeing the Word of God, training days are not announced. You don't know that the training day is coming. You just have to be ready. We looked at Joseph. 17 years he, he served. or his, 17 years, and then he was thrown into the slavery. 13 more years. 30 years old before everything happened for him. That's a long time. Just doing the same thing before he first saw anything close, and it still wasn't a dream. Even when he was elevated before the the, uh, pharaoh, the dream still had not come about. You just have to be ready. You have to be ready every day. If there are 365 days in the year, how many of those days should you be ready? Every day, which means you continue to practice, you continue to train, you continue to get yourself stronger, you continue to get yourself ready, because you don't know when training day will come. You play basketball. You play football. You know what the schedule is. I got a big day here. I got a big game here. You know what you're training for. When you're training for the kingdom of God, folks, you don't know when the day's coming. Now Jesus knew when the day of the cross was coming. There are a few other times that people knew a day was coming and they got ready for it. We saw Daniel last week. He got ready for a day he knew was coming. <clears throat> but most time, people don't know it's coming. It just comes. It's just there. You're going around your normal business, taking care of the kingdom like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and then all of a sudden, here's a gold image. And we're all told we've got to bow down to it. And you've got some decisions that you got to do. Now, before we get out, we'll be done with the book of Daniel after this week, so I just wanted to throw a few things out here for you. Some other days in the book of Daniel that showed up. <clears throat> These are a little different. In Daniel chapter 8, verse 15, Then it happened when I, Daniel had seen the vision and was seeking the meaning, that suddenly there stood before me, one having the appearance of a man. And I heard the man's voice between the banks of the Uli, who called and said, Gabriel, make this man understand the vision. Gabriel was the angel. So he came near where I stood, and when he came, I was afraid and fell on my face. How many of you want an angel? You've seen this all the time in the Word of God. An angel shows up, people are afraid. They have an awesome appearance. But he said to me, understand, son of man, that the vision refers to the the times of the end. Now, as he was speaking to me, I was in a deep sleep with my face to the ground. But he touched me and stood me upright. And he said, look, I am making known to you what shall happen in the latter time of the indignation. For all the appointed time, the end shall be. Daniel is called to receive and interpret dreams, things that are going on for the end times. This was one of those times he's stepping up to the call. This is what God's called you to do. I need you to get this dream, this vision. I need you to understand it. We're not getting into all the the dream and the visions and all the right now. I love getting into that stuff, but we're not getting into that right now. We're just looking at the vision came and the command came from God. Gabriel, make this man understand. And so Gabriel is going to come over. He is going to make him understand. But Daniel reacts in such a way as to fall down bury his face in the ground and not stand. And the Gabriel has to come over and stand him up. And he says this to him, Look. And when somebody says that to you, when somebody stands you up and says, Look, what are they trying to do? I need to get your attention. You need to focus here. Stop playing around. Let's get serious. Look, I am making known to you what shall happen in the latter time of the indignation. For at the appointed time, the end shall be. What God is saying is this, Daniel, what I am giving you is awesome. Awesome. Terribly awesome. I know that. And I have trained you up because I expect that by now in your life, on this day, that you would be ready to stand up and hear it. Not everyone can. But God has trained Daniel up and He says, I expect you to be ready to stand up and to hear it. And Gabriel says, get up. Now look. Daniel chapter 9, verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of years specified by the word of the Lord through the Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Now, if you want to study to go on home, sometimes you send you home home to, to look up something else. This is a fun one to look up. If you have never done this, you've never been through end times class or anything like that, if you've never done this, go back home, find your Bible, look at the little reference. It's going to give a little reference as to where this is, and I want you to read it. And when you read it, I want you to say this. Uh, I want you to look it over. Look at the actual prophecy that Daniel is reading and say, why was that hard to understand? When you read the, the prophecy, you're going to look at that and say, that's not hard to understand. It says it, I mean, it. spells it out pretty clearly. Seventy years is what's going to be determined. But no one saw it because their eyes weren't open to it. But Daniel kept studying. He kept studying. He kept going back until God says, all right, I want them to see it now. Have you ever had it where you have looked at the same scripture over and over and over again and all of a sudden you, I, didn't, I, never, I never saw that before. Did you know it said this? All of a sudden, it opens up for you. Your eyes are open. That's what's happening in Daniel. Because God says, I need that this man will pray. And as soon as he saw it, he says, Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make my, request my prayer and supplications with <clears throat> fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. As soon as he saw it, he set his face. And I, I need to find out what's, what's going on. What is next, he's saying. And God says, All right, that's what I've been waiting for. Now we're going to send it. And he sent a vision about what's going to happen next. Daniel chapter 10, verse 4. Now on the 24th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the river, that is the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen. Hang on a minute, just uh, lost my spot. A certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with gold of upaz. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearing of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms, the and feet like burnished bronze in color, and the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. Would that intimidate you? And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great terror fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. What you have is a group of people that are there. We don't know how spiritual these other men were, but what we know is that something came down upon that place, and it was so awesome that the terror of it drove people away. They ran. And Daniel stayed. Why does Daniel stay? Because Daniel has been trained to be able to take it. He has accepted the training. And he he, he feels it, but he doesn't feel the need to run. Therefore I was left alone. When I saw this great vision, and no strength remained in me for my vigor "...was turned to frailty in me, and I retained no strength." So it had an effect upon him, but he didn't run. "...Yet I heard the sound of his words. And while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face." Same thing we heard before, right? Excuse me a minute. "...Suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands." He's down with his face on the ground, and suddenly... Someone touched him, and it made him tremble. He's on his knees, facing the ground, and when a touch comes, he trembles. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. For I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Before he's down on the ground, and now he stood. Why did he stand? Because the man said, stand up. Stand up. Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand, and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter day. Latter days, for the vision refers to many days yet to come. When he had spoken such words to me, I turned my face toward the ground and became speechless. And suddenly, one having the likeness of the sons of men, touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke, saying to him who stood before me, My Lord, because of the vision, my sorrows have overwhelmed me, and I have retained no strength. For how can this servant of my Lord talk with you, my Lord? As for me, no strength remains in me now, nor is any breath left in me. Then again, the one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be to you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. So when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. What you have is Daniel in a state. Awesomeness is hitting him. Some of the most awesome stuff is coming to him. You could not even imagine it. But Daniel has been trained up for this day to take it trained up and God says the days here we need to get this to him the the make him understand bring him to that place where he understands it and he is but he's down as he, he's trembling he's the, the, the fear wants to get hold of him too <clears throat> but god is saying no fight this come on I need you to stand up I need I need you to receive this he says I'm weak i'm weak I, I can't do it and so the man came over and he strengthened him he received the strength he received the strength not everybody would receive the strength some people just just I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fight this thing. But he did. He received his strength, and then he says, All right, you've strengthened me. Go ahead, you can talk. I can listen. I will receive it. Do you know how much training it took Daniel to get to that day? The awesomeness that he's going through here is incredible. And he finally got himself to that place. Nothing of the enemy is here. There is nothing in this to break him. I put this in your outline for you. Not all training days are tests from the enemy to break us. Not all training days are tests from the enemy to break us. Some are gifts when we have grown to handle them. God has some gifts for you. And the day is coming when he's going to pour that out. He's looking for you to be ready. Are you going to be ready? Are you going to be ready to step out in, in that? What is the gift for Daniel? It was in his, in his uh, area of dreams and visions that he had and understanding for the end times. And God brought this to him He gave it to him. There's all kinds of things that we could do. It could be in the area of ministry. It could be in the area of praying for people. It could be in the area of intercession. It could be in the area of music. It could be in the area of prophecy. There's all kinds of things that it can be. And God says, I'm training you up so that you can be ready that when this comes upon you, you can handle it. You've got to receive the training. And even when you do, when you get to that day, you may find out it was tough, but you received it. Not all training days come from the enemy. Many of them come from God. Are you getting ready? We look at the mundane things that we're doing in life. We look at the things we're doing at our job. How many look at your job and you say, my job is nothing. I don't like my job. I don't want my job. And yet, how was Joseph being trained? By his job with his father, by his job with Potiphar, by his job at the prison he was being trained, would you have thought those jobs, places to be trained? Wherever God has you, whatever he has you doing, God is training you. He can train you any place. If he can train Joseph in a prison, can he not train you where you are? If he can train Daniel in the land of heathens, can he train you where you are? God can train you wherever you are. We're going to continue this next week. We're going to look next week at someone who failed some of their training. Failed some of the times they were to be practicing. It delayed some things in their life. We're going to look at them next week because I think we can learn from that. Mm -hmm. We looked at some people that when they were training, they came, they were ready for it, and they stood up and they did good. And they went on. Sometimes we think, man, if I already missed it, we're going to look at somebody who missed it on some of their days. Didn't do quite as well. We're going to see what kind of effect that had on them and what they did to pull themselves out. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you for the help that you give us in our life. Whatever it is that we are doing, whatever job it is that we have, whatever things take up the course of our day, you can use them to train us, to prepare us for what is to come. For you need us ready on those days, just as you needed Jesus ready, just as you need the disciples ready. Just as you needed Joseph ready, just as you needed Daniel ready, just as you needed Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego ready. So many people, Father, need to be ready on their day. We looked at, talked about Adam, how the day came and he wasn't ready. Great misery came from that. Father, we want to be ready for those days that await us. We thank you for the help that you give us. We thank you for the way that you are strengthening us. Training us, helping us to practice. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Do we have any uh, praise reports? We're down on our uh, a lot in our numbers, but we may we have a, at least one. If you have a praise report and you didn't write it down yet, you have a little bit of time. You can you can write that in.
1: This is from her. <coughs> her serious pain in her left foot. Praise God. Nas says, my trip to Trinidad was very expensive, twice the normal cost because of the holiday season. When I came back and was sick for another week and out of work longer than we anticipated, I had used up all the days at work. This put us in a temporary financial twist. Nevertheless, we never weakened, um, wavered, or lost faith. Our desire to give was only strengthened, and God worked out so many things in so many ways, one of them being last Saturday and family from this church came by to visit us and express their condolences and to see how we were doing. After they left, we found a check on the dining room table (laughs) that they, they had left for us. Sunday morning, my car would not start. The money they left covered the cost of a new battery that I now needed. I was able to go back to work on Monday without having any car troubles or lost time. God absolutely knew what we needed before we knew it. Amen. Isn't it awesome how God uses you to bless somebody else. Amen. Any other praise reports or prayer requests or anything today?